3: Mike Dettillier on the Out of Bound Show. SEC Insider Hit brought to you by Sound and Communications. Providing leading-edge audio-visual for sports facilities, for your lobby, in your hospital, for your conference room, your business, for churches, and so on. Top quality audio-visual. av.com. This is 1059 the Zone ESPN. We welcome in our friend Mike Detilier, WWL Radio TV New Orleans. Mike D joins us on the Patron Tequila guest line. Mike D, we were talking earlier about Georgia and Bama. Uh you may disagree. I think Georgia has leapfrogged Bama and they are the number 1, you know, school in the SEC football program and, and you know, nationwide. Uh not that Saban can't come back and and Take the the trophy back at some point. Uh, how do you, how do you see it right now as far as Georgia Bama?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they're the new Bama today. Uh, it, proof's in the pudding. The last two years of what they've done uh, to win back to back national championships, and it's it's tough to win one, uh, much less win them you know back to back. And uh, last year wasn't the year that. Um, Well, I thought they'd be a really good team. Uh, I thought the team the year before was really uh, had more talent on it. You can't lose that many people. You're talking about 15 draft choices, seven other guys signed undrafted free agent contracts. You lose 16 people in the transfer portal and you don't bring one in and you go undefeated. (laughs) Man, that's rolling. Um, that's really rolling. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And, uh, not just to try to maintain it because that's, that's the tougher part of all this. Um, I, I know even in 2019 here with, with coach Owen and LSU, that was, that was the deal, uh, to, to maintain that, uh, when you lose so much and you're going to lose assistant coaches, uh, to keep that rolling. And that's why I would, what Nick has done. It's been remarkable because you're losing so many people, you're losing assistant coaches, and yet the train keeps rolling. And for longevity, I'm interested to see how it plays out with Kirby, but I, I certainly could not agree with you. And and we've talked about it so much on WWL about how George has been able to reload the gun very, very quickly. And then playing in the East too. Uh, where there has not been that major competitor, uh, because in years past maybe uh, a Florida uh, would have been in the in the mix. Uh, last year we saw Tennessee make a run for it, and, and they, Tennessee was a really good football team last year. Uh, but you know the West is a little bit more daunting, yes. week in week out, and and that that plays a part of it, but that takes nothing away. From what Kirby uh, has built at Georgia, and assembling the type of team that could physically get in a ring with anyone, uh, because that, that's what jumps out at you: their physicality along the offensive defensive lines. And he was smart enough that um, he handled the offense over to Todd Munkin. Now, can Todd does Todd stay? And that's gonna that's gonna be uh, the other shooter go down.
3: He is Mike D'Atelier on the out of bounds show with uh so I go Georgia. Take out the divisions. I go Georgia and Bama, Mike D. And then I go LSU, but I think people are going to be surprised at how fast Hugh Freeze flips that Auburn um roster. And is it he may not be eleven and one good, but he is going to be Very, very competitive right out of the gate.
1: I think it's Tennessee in the fourth spot. Um, I just think from what, you know, Josh Heifel has done, uh, I I would certainly put him in the fourth spot. Um, And I got to see it with you first. Uh, Okay, just to go back off of what he did at at Ole Miss or what he's done at Liberty. uh, The SEC has changed, and... Can he win up front? I think that's what jumped out at me about Tennessee is offensive line-wise. They were able to compete against the better defenses. (laughs) I mean, they steamrolled LSU. If you go back to that game, that wasn't even competitive. I mean, they steamrolled them, and they were really competitive up front uh, where they they handled the game very (laughs) easily, and Hooker was on. So, uh, I would put Tennessee in the fourth spot. Okay. Uh, I just think for what they've been able to recruit, how they've uh, won up front, uh, what Josh Heifel has breathed into that football program. Now, let's see the Joe Milton experiment because it it didn't work out at first. They wanted Joe to be the guy, okay? And uh, Hooker told me the story at Manning Camp that, you know, when he had transferred from Virginia Tech – he was well aware of the fact that, you know, Milton had maybe been promised, hey, listen, you come here from Michigan. Uh, Joe was a highly recruited player from Pahokee, Florida, goes to Michigan, doesn't see a lot of playing time there. And then he comes to Tennessee. It was basically, it was Milton's job. Milton won it uh, or, or was in the lead position and for the first two games. And then he got yanked. And then Hooker goes in, and it changed the fortunes of Tennessee football for two years with Hendon Hooker in there. I thought he played spectacular uh, in the bowl game, but can he keep that up? Uh, because we all know about his physical gifts uh, and that he's man, he, he's got a rifle uh, for an arm. He can throw it. Uh, but can he be consistent with his accuracy skills? That was – that got under Harbaugh's nerves at Michigan that he couldn't do it, and it really lost him the job at Tennessee. Can't, has he matured and gotten to the point where his accuracy skills uh, can match that or even in the same area code as Hooker? Uh, because if he can, then Tennessee's uh, a major competitor again uh, in 2023. Hmm. With no. that roster. We took it all.
0: Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com slash Wondersuite.
3: Mike Dettilier on the Out of Bounds show. Okay, let's go to, you know, I think last week or the week before, we talked about how Mike Ditka was so hard-headed and not willing to pivot. Um, let's go to Jimbo Fisher. So you got you got Connor Wigman, who I think is talented, talented, and then he just hired Bobby Petrino. When you read the tea leaves, do you think Jimbo is willing to get out? Because Petrino is a very ta- say what you want about him; he's a very talented play caller. Jimbo is not, in my opinion. Do you think Jimbo can get out of the way and let Connor Wigman and Bobby Petrino find their magic in College Station, Mike D? Yeah,
1: you know, I, I don't know i I don't know, I think when you've done that for that long, you still want to be the head chef. you don't want anybody else to cook the groceries, you know you really don't, and so we'll we'll fix in the see. i mean I, I agree with you on Petrino. uh he's got a lot of negatives with him, okay, off the field, and he's not the greatest personality to deal with at times uh and not only I'm not talking about media wise I'm talking about with other coaches. I've, I've told me that, and so and people that have been on his staff. Uh, can it happen? Yes, I think with A um, and M. I go back to what I've said before. Can you win up front? That uh, the, the quarterback spot is going to always be looked at strongly. But a couple years ago, when A and M, if to be honest with you, I thought they were one of the four best teams in college football. They didn't get into the playoffs, but man their offensive line was the best I saw all season long, other than Alabama's. they were really good, and their defensive line was pretty stout it, it's rebuilding up front and then now look what you have lost in the transfer portal. basically an entire uh, recruiting class is left. And, you know, okay, you can reload that, but, man, it's it's difficult. And I think it's between the years, too. I think it's between the years uh, with this team. Can, can they get over that hump? They've recruited well, but it's also about – it's something Nick used to always say. I did a number of junkets with him when he was here at LSU, and he would always bring up R&D, recruit and develop players. Because he said, listen, we got guys – that are great recruiters, but I want to see, can they develop players? And I got guys that are great coaches, but aren't necessarily great recruiters. There's always a mix on a staff like that. I think what AM pieced together was a staff that could really recruit. Where did it take those recruits? Where's the developmental part? And it wasn't that quarterback. It wasn't, it wasn't there. And so, again, it goes right back to this lays in the lap of Jimbo Fisher. And, and can he turn it over and does his ego, you know, can he soothe that to give this over to Petrino and let him sort of run the show on offense? He's He's really not done that at all. Now, uh, on defense, you know, when he had Elko, he didn't have to worry about it. Because Elko could coach on defense. He (laughs) He was really good. Man, man, I I talked to a lot of the guys at LSU, and, you know, they would point out uh, his schematics and where you didn't see a lot of times the same look, and he would change things up from game to game. And it was strategic. And so um, while players will always be 1A, I think, you know, the, the coaching part is 1B. I don't think they're as good on defense, and I still question what they have on the offensive side of the football. They have talent, but can they develop that talent? And can and will Jimbo say, "Okay, Bobby, this is yours. You run it." Uh, I got to see it to believe it. I've been around him long enough to know that that's that's going to be difficult for him.
3: Whoa, man. Uh, okay, if that. That could be a pretty amazing blow-up because you know how both those guys are wired between Jimbo and Petrino. So if, it, if he doesn't allow him to do... If Jimbo Fisher doesn't allow Bobby Petrino to do what he needs to do to run the offense, um, that implosion could be... kind of have a ripple effect in the SEC and, about midway Bo, through I the season. I think he's just trying to be.
1: get through 2023. Because he understands he can't he can't have another season like he had last year. Because if that's the case, then he's gone. No matter how much money they owe him, he's gone. The other part of that, too, is if you have success, then Petrino's not staying at A&M more than a year. He will have leapfrogged himself into another job. If Hugh Freeze got another one, <laughs> Petrino's going to get another one. He's going to get another head coaching job somewhere. So... It might be even though you have some success, he might be a one-and-done there, almost like Kentucky basketball, and he's going somewhere else. So it's a, it's a tricky turn here, and I understand why he brought in Bobby because I think he was basically told, hey, uh, unless you make those staff changes, uh, we're going to make a change. We didn't spend all that. We ain't put all this money into name, image, likeness to, to be a 500 football team. Uh, we could have stayed what we have. Man, all I can say is, you know, and I think when they're going to write the book on this, it'll be an interesting read. That was no doubt two years ago when Scott Woodward made the decision that he was going to get rid of Ed Ogeron. He wanted Jimbo. He did. Well, he, he made a much better hire. On earth to get it. And mm. it was the best decision he ever made is when Jimbo told him no. And then he pivoted. He went after Lincoln Riley. He got, he got a no there. And, but he got a yes from Brian Kelly. And, man, because um, I know that, that there's way too many tea leaves to tell you that Scott's connection to him and his friendship with him, he wanted to bring – jimbo back to louisiana and to be the head coach at lsu and sometimes the decisions that you don't make are made for you Mm -hmm. because jimbo's the one who told him no and then once lincoln um had decided that he wasn't going to stay at oklahoma but he he had his eyes set for usc uh they they even thought about making another overture to jimbo and you know, Jimbo wasn't for it. He decided to stay with that recruiting class, and then the pivot to Brian Kelly. Again, you know, sometimes life is crazy. Incidents like that occur for you. That you know, the decisions that you don't didn't make or were made for you turns out to be the right ones.
2: That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Which takes us to Nick
3: Saban. He has to hire an OC in D.C., and he really needs to nail it to obviously get back in the mix and compete with Georgia. And as you and I are discussing, Mike Dettelier, maybe another team. You know, maybe Ohio State's really good. Maybe it's LSU. Maybe it's somebody else. Whatever. In in that sometimes we get two teams in the college football playoff that are worthy. Sometimes we don't. But for him to get back where they want to be, which is in the national title game, he needs to nail this OCDC pairing. And, and, and there's all kinds of names. I'm not asking you for that. But, but just how important is it where – where Nick Saban is right now and what's happened the last two years with Georgia for him to nail these two hires?
1: Yeah, the O.C. position is uh, the the most difficult one, and uh, because we saw what Kiffin did to really influence him offensively and to go more to the wide-open offense and throw the football a lot more. Now, he did it, but, man, he did it kicking and screaming because uh, he didn't want to do that. That's not what he wanted to do. But Lane, you know, had a major impact on that Alabama program for the pitch and catch part of the game. And, um, you know, it's been interesting because I think they've gotten away from something Nick has always wanted, and that's a power running game. They They didn't really have that last year. Uh, surprisingly. They've they've had it in in other years, but last year, that that element wasn't there. Either offensive line or the right runner uh, wasn't in place. And and Gibbs certainly isn't that type player. He's more of an Alvin Kamara uh, type uh, runner. Um, I think that's the big one. Defensively, he's always going to have influence. And people, you know, I know in Alabama complain about Pete Golding. Well, my thing is, if Pete Golding wasn't doing what Nick Saban wanted him to do on defense, he'd have got rid of him long ago, right? Right. Why Why did he keep him? It, it, it wasn't like he was there one year. Pete was doing exactly what Nick wanted him to do. that That's Nick's wheelhouse on the defensive side of the football. So when I hear people say, oh, you know, Pete Golding wasn't that good of a coach and all, my thing is you better take a look at them numbers uh, now. Were they dominating? No, but here's my deal. Give me another dominating defense in college football other than in Georgia. And look at the talent they've accumulated uh, at Georgia. And Kirby has a big part in that, Uh, a huge part in in running that. So you're telling me that Nick didn't have a big part in running that defense at Alabama? Come on, you're kidding yourself if you say he didn't, because he's always going to have that part in that. That is his wheelhouse. And I think when you look back at his hires, most of them have been younger guys. Uh, So I think it's important, but the big is on offense, because I think they've gotten away a little bit from what Nick really wants to do offensively. I think he's bought into the throwing the football part, but I think he's always going to have that power running game. He would talk about it constantly, that if you don't have the hammer in games, you're going to lose close games that he thought that was so important, even in today's game to have that power running game. And he had a comment about, I want to run it when we need to and have to. Mm -hmm. And so I think that offensive coordinator spot is going to be the one to watch and whoever has gets that job. And if it's successful, he won't be there long. Uh, But uh, again, I think Nick is used to coaches' short term with him. He's he's tough on assistant coaches. Really difficult on assistant coaches. I, I, I know enough of them. <laughs> I mean, Kirby's <laughs> me, the hey,
3: only listen. one that could stay that long and handle Saban the way he did.
1: Yeah, and I think too is a lot of it is putting up with his idiosyncrasies as a coach. He and I think a lot of times he does it. Um, the players see him get on an assistant coach and and they don't want their assistant, you know, to get jumped on. So uh, there's a little bit of method to his madness, but he does push the button pretty hard uh, for assistant coaches, for work ethic, for time put in, for certain things to be done right. He is really difficult. Now everybody has that element when you're a head coach, but Nick takes it to another level because he can, because he is who he is. And he's not going to change. If you think he's going to (laughs) change, you're kidding. You've got to change for Nick. But the offensive coordinator position, that's not his wheelhouse. Okay, He's always been a defensive-oriented coach. And he's always sort of turned a lot of that over to the coordinator, Uh, no matter if he's been at Michigan State, at LSU, at Alabama. He's turned that over to that coordinator. But he's always in the rear about certain things and the big part about it is the running game i'm just telling you i've been around enough of those guys and jimbo's one of them that would tell you if they had arguments a lot of it was that about you know you getting you know the virus to throw the football too much we got to run the ball more and how a young coach handles that today you know how a young coach handles it because listen I think when you write the book on Alabama football, the impact of Lane Kiffin cannot be overlooked of him sort of dragging and kicking uh, Nick Saban into the new world of college football, of throwing the ball. Nick didn't really want to do it. He really didn't. But, you know, Lane was persuasive, and he got results out of it. And uh, he made it work. He sort of changed everything uh, with that. And look, you know, since then with Loxley, uh, uh, Bill O'Brien, those guys. But your measuring stick is high because of your success, the great success. So even if you're very good, you know, is it good enough? Uh, man, uh, something's going to happen eventually and Nick will walk away. Alabama fans are going to be not in a good mood. Because nobody can step into those moccasins. No. No one. And, and, and take that over. That, that's going to be really, really difficult uh, to, to follow him. And uh, how he's been able to recruit, he's been becoming much more of a national recruit team now. And while he does a great job in the Alabama, Georgia panhandle area, he has become a much more national recruit team. And I told this to Ed Ogeron, when you become that, because they became hit that at LSU, you're going to lose people quicker. Those guys, if they don't play in year one, they out of there. And look, this year is probably one of the biggest exodus at Alabama uh, because of that in the transfer portal.
3: We'll leave it there. We'll see if Jeremy Pruitt can get through the compliance deal. And, and maybe he would be the guy. Yeah, and I
1: think he, he knows how to handle Nick. I think he would be the guy, again, there are some other factors involved there, but uh, he certainly uh, could handle Nick, and I think he'd be a great defensive coordinator at Alabama.
3: Oh, it'd be an upgrade and a big one, and he would be outstanding. Mike Dettelier. Thanks, Mike D. Be good, buddy. Uh, thank you, bud. At Mike Dettelier on Twitter, brought to you by SoundComAB.com, the top quality Audio and visual company in the state of Mississippi, soundcomab.com for your hospital, business, church, sports facility. They provide leading-edge audio-visual for companies in the state of Mississippi, soundcomab.com, live in the Bank Plus studio.